Welcome to the Flood Church Sermon Podcast, where we bring you sermons from our teaching team at Flood Church, Lilongwe, Malawi. For more information, you can go to floodchurch.com. At the moment, we are going through this series uh, called Countercultural, and uh, in this series, we're just centering on the truth that uh, transformed people will live transformed lives. Uh, so there are kingdom principles that God has been speaking to us and that God tells us through his word and that we should live by those principles and that when you're living by God's principles, it also means that you're saying no. You're saying no to ungodly principles. You're saying no to ungodly norms of the world. Uh, So we're just looking into what is Jesus saying or doing that actually challenges us that we should live in a way that is different from the world. Uh, because Christianity is a very radical religion. Uh, Christianity is a very radical relationship. That when you come into contact with Jesus Christ, he changes you. you know, it's like Vitz going against a truck. Definitely Vitz will change, isn't it? Yeah, that's why, you know, like we, when we come into contact with Jesus Christ, our lives are changed. And the way we live our lives is a changed way. Uh, so today we'll be looking at being countercultural is forgiving others. Being countercultural is forgiving others. And we will look into Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 to 35. This is the parable of the unmerciful servant. The parable of the unmerciful servant, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you. Not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sought to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged, Be patient with me. I'll pay back. I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had, I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. God, we, we know our inabilities, but we recognize your ability. And we pray, God, that... Uh, this morning, uh, you would uh, bring this truth to life in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Uh, this week I read something uh, on Twitter, because Twitter is the future. Uh, I read something on Twitter, uh, uh, and somebody uh, wrote, forgiveness is letting go of a hope for a better past. Forgiveness is letting go of a hope for a better past. And I really like that. You know, I really, really love that. Forgiveness is letting go of a hope for a better past. Twitter is helpful. Yeah. You know, there was, uh, I think, two years ago. Um, uh, so I received a phone call uh, from a, a person that actually mentored me. Uh, you know, when I came to the Lord, uh, I came to the Lord when I was 13 years old. And uh, a few months later, this person uh, who was mentoring me said, you know what? I actually want to be living with you so you can come in and uh, so we can, you know, grow together uh, in this Christian thing. And I said, you know what? I actually like, like that idea. So I got, out of my, uh, I got out of my parents' house when I was 13 and I stayed with this mentor of mine. It was, you know, great. It was beautiful. Um, so years later, uh, you know, he calls me. Uh, and, uh, you know, he says, you know what, I really want to, to meet up with you. Uh, so that was a couple of years ago, and he said, you know what, let's meet. And uh, we went and we met at Papaya. I actually miss Papaya. Elano, come on, Papaya. Bring back Papaya. Uh, all right, so, you know, so, so we went and we started Papaya, and, uh, and we're eating. And he said, you know what, I've been actually searching for you uh, for a year. I said, oh, yeah. I said, like, yeah, I've been searching for you for a year because I wanted to, you know, to speak to you. Remember, uh, you know, the money I took from you uh, that time I did, I did not give it back. And I said, which money? And what time? And when is that? And so he tells the story which had happened probably 17 years ago. Uh, so, so, so he tells me, uh, he reminds me of the story. And now I remember when he was sharing it. So uh, then I was in school, and I needed to, uh, you know, to have money so that I'm, uh, you know, uh, taking pocket money to school. And I decided I'm going to start a business. So I started a business where I would buy uh, packets of sugar, uh, but then I would create it smaller packets of sugar uh, so that, uh, you know, people that cannot afford to buy the whole packet, they can at least afford 50 kwacha or 100 kwacha to buy, uh, you know, these little packets of sugars. So an amazing idea. It worked. Uh, and uh, people would actually come to our house and they were, you know, buying every morning. If you just want to drink tea for that one day, you come in and uh, you get your little packet of sugar. So, uh, you know, this business, you know, from one packet, it went to two packets and then to, to the whole bell that I was buying, the whole bell of sugar. So this was really sweet. Uh, so, you know, this, uh, yeah, sugar is sweet. <laughs> uh, you know, so this, Mentor mind said, you know what, your business is growing. You need to have a system uh, on, of, uh, you know, saving your money. You need to have a system of saving your money. And I said, oh, yeah, that's actually a good idea. He said, yeah, you need to be saving your money so that you're not wasting your money on silly things. I'm like, yeah, actually, you're so right. Uh, but what is that system? He said, you know what, actually, I can be keeping the money for you um, so that every time you need it, you get it. And then you go and buy whatever you need. Um, I was like, oh, that's a fantastic idea. What could go wrong with a pastor, you know, keeping my money? This is, this is brilliant. The pastor is better than a bank. <laughs> Come on. It's fantastic, you know. Uh, so, so, yeah, so I actually gave him my money. You know, every time I make profit, I give him a bit of money. And we did that for a few weeks. 
And there was, uh, I think, a weekend when I sold everything, gave him my, uh, the money and said, you know what, on Monday I'm going to go and buy, uh, you know, sugar. And uh, Monday came and the money was gone. Uh, so he said, you know what, I've just used the money, but tomorrow I'll return it to you. Uh, and I said, oh, no worries, no worries, bro. It's fine, it's good. And, and then tomorrow was uh, uh, next week, uh, and then was uh, next month, and then a year. The business was gone, and he never paid me back my money. So 17 years later, he comes to me, and uh, you know, he, he tells me that, you know what, I've been really, I've been troubled all this time, that actually, you know, you were, do, you were doing business. I wonder what that could have turned out to be. Uh, you know, but I, you know, I, I took your money. I never returned it. Uh, and in fact, I even lied a couple of times that I will return. I'm expecting money, but I was not expecting money. Uh, so I'm asking that you should forgive me. Please forgive me. Now I had to hurt him, kind of like remind me of the story, uh, you know, of when he took my money because it's been a long time. Uh, but also, you know, certain wounds will go so deep that it will be hard to actually forget, isn't it? Like certain wounds, when people hurt us, their certain wounds just go so, so deep. And this was not as deep as it sounds, I think, uh, because I kind of forgot about it quickly. But in this passage, we are actually being, you know, encouraged that, you know, how should we actually respond to all hurts? All hurts, how should we actually respond to all hurts. And today, sharing on this subject, and you know, I thought it would be great uh, to tag team with my wife, Kate. Thank you. Um, so I want to run through four points about forgiveness today. The first is what is forgiveness? The second is why should we forgive? The third is how much we should forgive. And the fourth is how can we forgive? And then Humphreys is going to lead us in uh, a response to that. So the first thing I want to say is that we are not proposing that any of these things are easy. It is not easy to let go of a wrong that somebody did to you. Let me give you some examples that maybe um, ring true for you. This one that ring, will ring very true for everybody who works in the flood office. Maybe you had a collection of pens and pencils and then they went missing. <laughs> then you hopped in a workmate's car and there they were. Um, or maybe you had a close friend lie to you. Maybe you had somebody publicly slander your name. Maybe you suffered continual money mismanagement by those who employed you or worked for you. Maybe you were robbed of a job or an education opportunity or a training opportunity. Maybe you experienced the misuse of power against you. Maybe you've been hurt by the church or you felt like the church wasn't there for you when you needed it. Maybe you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend who cheated on you. Maybe you have a husband or wife who failed to fulfill a promise. Or maybe you have been abused mentally or socially or spiritually, and I'm sure that there are people here who've experienced huge, deep, hard hurts. Hurts beyond what we can imagine or even uh, share, maybe. Um, but what we want to talk about today is that it's not 
the size of those hurtful things, and it's not those hurtful things in themselves that we believe matters as much as how we respond to those hurtful things. And that's what I think Jesus was highlighting uh, in this passage here. And Jesus is proposing a way that we can live centered on the kingdom of God when somebody wrongs us. So I'm going to start by talking about, as I said there, I've got my four. I want to start talking a little bit about what. And before I do that, I want to just mention before this passage, if you go back to the verses uh, in the same chapter before, you see that Jesus was giving steps of reconciliation. So he was saying, this is useful for us to all know, if somebody has wronged you, you go to them to talk to them about their fault. If they listen, great, you've won them over, end of story. If they don't listen, you have to take another person with you. If they still don't listen, you take them to the church. And then if they still don't listen, it says to treat them as a non-believer, which means that you should love them with the reckless love of God and share the good news of Jesus with them because it's likely that their heart is not yet changed by that truth. So Peter's just heard this and he understands about reconciliation now. And so it's from that that he's asking Jesus, how many times should I forgive? He knew he was to reconcile with his neighbor, but he wanted to know how far should I go with forgiveness? How many times should I forgive? What is the measure of forgiveness that should drive our acts of reconciliation? Um, but as I said, going back to the idea of forgiveness and the idea of hurt, our natural instinct when we are hurt, I truly believe is not gentle, kind forgiveness. Often what we do when we're hurt is want to get revenge, an eye for an eye. But what Humphreys was pointing out to me this morning is if somebody pokes you in the eye, you don't want to poke them back in one eye, you want to poke them back in both of their eyes. You don't only want to get revenge, you want the other person to know the hurt and you want them to feel the hurt even more than you felt the hurt. And I think these feelings come quite naturally uh, to all of us. And then Jesus has come in and said, you need to reconcile with your neighbor and given a strategy. And then he says, forgive from the heart. He demands forgiveness. He doesn't say that it's an option. He says that it's a necessity. Uh, and the reason I say that I believe this comes natural to us, I work with children. One of the things I do is emotional training or lessons with kids who struggle with that. So we talk about key emotions and we talk about helpful and unhelpful ways to respond to your key emotions. If I say happiness, you can easily think of helpful ways to show that you're happy. Right now, I could show that I'm happy by throwing water balloons at you all. That would be unhelpful. Or I could show that I'm happy by smiling. One that I found the hardest is talking about anger. Helpful and unhelpful ways to act when you are angry. Uh, with children and I've found this is usually the feeling we have to dwell on for the longest. Usually we have to go over helpful ways to respond when we feel angry. We have to practice them more than those other feelings because anger is a, an emotion that it's hard to respond in gracious and helpful ways. But what this passage is painting for us is a picture of what forgiveness from the heart can look like, how we can practice it so that we can then practice reconciliation. So if we go back to the story, there's um, a servant here who paints a really great picture of what this kind of unforgiveness looks like. 
So he goes to somebody who owes him maybe 100 silver coins. Okay, I want to paint a bit of a picture for what that might be. Maybe in today's world economy, that would be a few hundred dollars. What this brought to mind is when I, Funa and I used to live together and we would collect our quacha coins. And I remember this day that Funa diligently took her jumbo of our quacha coins to the bank and she cashed them in. And she made enough to go shopping at DAP and buy three pieces of clothing at DAP. So that's what we're talking about. That was probably a few hundred silver coins. So this servant goes to the man who owes him this and he demands his debt to be repaid. The man cannot repay it, so what the servant does is take the man and have him thrown into prison. Your immediate response, if you read this story in isolation, you're like, yeah, well, he owed him money, so probably that's a just response. He's being punished because he owes money that he can't repay. So when you read this story, it feels natural. And you think that's probably a helpful way, actually, for him to respond. But then you read it in the wider context of this parable. You read it in the context that the servant who is demanding those silver coins has just been forgiven a debt of thousands of gold coins. And it changes how you view that story. It changes how you feel about this servant who's put his debtor in jail. And I think it's the same. When we see our own lives in the light of God's kingdom, it changes how we see forgiveness. So what is forgiveness? The Bible says plenty about forgiveness. The Greek word for forgive in the New Testament is aphemi, which carried all different meanings. It could mean uh, to remit a debt, to leave something alone, to allow an action, to send something away, to desert or abandon, or even to divorce, are all the different meanings that the word forgive can have. Um, And Jesus here is painting a picture of his forgiveness, essentially. And if you look at verse 24, it talks about how, as the king began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all they have be sold to repay the debt. As the servant fell on his knees, he said, be patient with me and begged and I will pay back everything. But the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. Now, the message version of this uh, says, doesn't say 10,000 bags of gold, it says millions of dollars. And maybe that hits you harder when you think about what millions of dollars means today. That's what this man owes the king. It's millions of dollars and the king is settling his accounts. He needs to gather back the money that is owed him. The just response would be for this man to be to have his family sold, everything he owns sold and for him to be put in jail but he falls on the ground begging to the king not to do that. But actually, that's the just, what he deserved. That was the just action of the king. But instead of doing that, the king didn't just give him more time. If you look, what the servant said is, give me more time. And I don't know for you, if I was in millions of dollars of debt today, in the situation that I'm in, in terms of our financial lives, 
and you gave me a like couple of months or a year to forgive those millions of dollars, I'm just going to let you know if this ever happens, there's a really good chance I won't repay it in a couple of months or a couple of years. Uh, and I'm suspecting that that's what the situation this man was in. He was deep, deep over his head in this debt. The king didn't just say, yes, okay, off you go, I'll give you more time. Firstly, the king didn't serve him justice. Secondly, the king didn't say, I'll give you more time. The king did something extravagant. He cancelled the millions of dollars of debt. And I want to point out that, as I said, forgiveness is not easy and forgiveness is not free. I think it's easy for us to think, yeah, well, the king had tons of gold. He had tons of dollars. It doesn't matter. But I think this would have been very costly to the king. He was trying to settle his accounts. It would have been beneficial for that king to have that money and he, he forfeited it. It cost him. And I think once we see the size of this servant's debt, it changes how we see his uh, seeking of justice to his own debtor. And I think once we see that and once we understand the size of the debt this man was forgiven and the extravagance of the king's grace, we see the servant's actions differently. Um, which leads me to why. Why should we forgive? And I think this passage clearly tells us we should forgive because Jesus forgives us. And Jesus is really clear that that's what he's talking about. He starts by saying the kingdom of God is like. He is saying the king is Jesus. The king, Jesus, like the king, has wiped our unrepayable debt. And like the man who, having had his debt wiped, needs to change his response to those he needs to forgive, so it is the same for us. We are forgiven extravagantly by Jesus. Therefore, how we forgive must be changed. So I want to talk a little bit more about how we forgive and it must be as a reflection of how we are forgiven. Um, Jesus has actually given us much more than even we have asked for. The Bible is clear that the just response of our sinful nature is eternal damnation. Jesus hasn't only just wiped that and left us kind of with whatever we could gather for ourselves. Jesus has bestowed on us his grace and his incredible mercy. He doesn't just give us more time. I want you to think about this. If we, we know we are sinful, if Jesus just said, I will give you more time to atone for your own sin, we are unable to do that. We are too deep in. Jesus hasn't just given us more time. He has forgiven us. And I think in the light of that knowledge of the extravagant grace Jesus has shown us, uh, I can understand more why Jesus says not seven times, 77 times. But even that is still just a number. When I think about the incredible extravagance of God's grace on us, it makes me think, is there an amount of forgiveness that is too much? But maybe me asking that question makes you think of something, uh, a time where you were hurt very deeply, where the grievance against you was very significant, uh, where it was a really hard time. 
And maybe you, you think that you've forgiven that person or maybe you've just moved on. Maybe you don't see them anymore, you don't talk to them anymore, you don't think about them very often anymore. Uh, but I want to challenge you. I think when Humphreys and I began talking about this this week, we were struck by how deep and how broad forgiveness is. And it made me realize that actually uh, an unf- a sign of unforgiveness is if that person's name comes up that you don't think about very, more, very much anymore. But when their name comes up, you are tempted to slander their name. Or maybe when their name comes up, you feel the desire to gossip about them. Or maybe when the name of that person comes up or when that situation comes up, you feel like this servant felt and you just want to wring them round the neck and choke that person. This feeling rises up in you of deep anger and deep hurt still. Um, and that might be the person that you, you have forgiven. You're on the path towards forgiving. And I want to give some examples of this. Maybe there's somebody you broke up with and, when you, and they're your ex. Maybe when you see your ex on Facebook and they've just broken up with somebody, you don't feel compassion for them, but you go, ha, ha. Or maybe there was a boss and that boss fired you and then you saw in the newspaper that they just lost their job. Do you feel compassion for them or do you think, ha? Ha. (laughs) I think forgiveness is more than just us saying that we forgive. Uh, Forgiveness is us cancelling the debt that we feel people have to us. Forgiveness involves, I think, showing, feeling compassion for those who've hurt us. And Jesus is clear about that, loving our enemy. Forgiveness also says, if the person who hurt me and injured me is doing well, I will celebrate with them. Forgiveness is coming to the point where we feel and can show love and compassion towards those people who hurt us. Um, Then Humphrey said to me, could I think of a story that this happened? And it took me a long time. And to be honest, it just struck me as I was driving here this morning. When we were very first married, we employed a young guy. And he was a guy who came through to the church and he he had the clothes on his back. Nothing else. He had a really hard story. And so we shared him clothes. We employed him. uh, We set him up. We put him on a nice salary. We gave him nice things. And then he stole from us. He took the things we'd given him and the things we'd loaned him and he sold them. And we found this out when we were called by the police that he was in Area 23 jail. Uh, So Humphreys went uh, diligently and compassionately to the jail and met with the police. They uh, did this process of regaining the things. Humphreys paid for this guy to get out of prison and paid to send him home. Uh, And... It was a hard story for us. There were things that were lost. Uh, there was a compassion and a, um, a care that we'd shown this guy that we, we felt was thrown back at us and we were hurt uh, by this guy. But the story didn't end there. About a year later, I was preaching at Flood Blantyre one day. Uh, and as I was preaching, I could see, and this is an unnerving thing if this has ever happened to anybody, the police pull up outside and the police come inside. Thankfully, because I was preaching, Pastor Yami was free to go deal with that whole situation. So he went out and dealt with that whole situation, and they did it really subtly and left. And afterwards, we went out for lunch with Yami and some other leaders from Flood Blantyre, and what they explained to us is that same guy who had now relocated to Blantyre 
had come to Flood Blantyre that day, and somebody at Flood Blantyre, whom he had stolen from as well, had called the police to come arrest this guy. So now this guy is in the Limby prison while we're in Blantyre. And as we're sitting at lunch, we were talking about uh, what we as a church community across two locations can do for this guy. Uh, And somebody said to us, let's leave him in the Limby prison for a few days. So apparently, I've not been, but apparently Limby prison is like the worst place you can be, basically. It's cold, it's wet, there's no windows, it's overcrowded. And he was like, maybe this guy will learn if we leave him in Limby prison. And if I'm honest, a part of my heart felt that. Let's let, let's let him suffer. Maybe he'll learn this way. And then Pastor Yami said, yeah, or maybe we should go bail him out again. Maybe we should go as a community, show him love again. Maybe we should go see if there's needs that we can help meet and see if he can walk the straight and narrow path this time. And it was hard in my heart to say, yeah, that's definitely what we should do. That's what we as a church community should do. And I was challenged in this situation by what forgiveness in the heart could be for me. And as we uh, have like gone back through these topics this week, I've been greatly convicted. And maybe you have by a story like that, and that guy's not in my life anymore, and I don't see him anymore. But what matters for me is the forgiveness of the heart. So I'm going to hand back to Humphreys, who's going to talk more about what the forgiveness of the heart is. Oh, thank you, Kate. That was so challenging uh, for me personally because there's just a lot of, uh, you know, situations when, uh, you know, you feel hurt and you don't actually feel the need to, to offer forgiveness, um, you know, to take up Jesus on his word when he said, you know, 77 times. Uh, 77 times, you know, seven times, um, to just see that it's forgiveness every single time we are hurt that you have to forgive. Uh, that, that's not, you know, that's not easy. But as Kate was saying, that because we look up to the king, we look up to the king who has forgiven us. And then when we look up to him, then we see his nature that actually he is enabling us that we can reflect his character. Because when we come in, uh, you know, into contact with Jesus Christ and that we look at him, we see ourselves that we are actually forgiven. Uh, we are forgiven. We have a new identity. We have a new identity. As Tim Keller says, a forgiven heart is a forgiving heart. A forgiven heart is a forgiving heart. In Christ Jesus Christ, we have a new identity. And therefore... Because we have a new identity, we have a new status. So if you're on Twitter, your status will look hashtag forgiven. Hashtag loved. You know, hashtag saved. Hashtag accepted. Hashtag God's child. What else? Hashtag what? Redeemed, yeah. Accepted. Yeah, now it's good. You can repeat it. Yeah, but, you know, there is this new identity. And, you know, when I, when I read the stories of Jesus and looking at when it comes to unforgiveness, you know, he is uh, a bit firm. Not a bit, actually, he is very, very firm. Uh, because 
You know, unforgiveness undermines the love that Christ has shown us. Unforgiveness undermines the love that Christ has shown us. And that is why you find it even in the, in the, in the, in the prayer of, of the disciples or the Lord's prayers, it's popular and on. You know, forgive us as we forgive our debtors. It is in there. And the next line is, if you do not forgive. You know, if you do not forgive, you are not, the Father will not forgive you too. And Christ, you see it in, in Jesus' message over and over again. Over and over again. So now that you have been forgiven, what is your requirement? Your requirement is to be forgiven. Because now you are forgiven. You have a new status there for you. You are required to forgive others. You are required to forgive others. And because here Jesus Christ is saying, this is how the kingdom of God looks like. It means when we are willing to forgive, when we show forgiveness, we are actually showing our desire to display God's kingdom in our response to hurt. When we forgive, we show our desire to display God's kingdom in our, resp in our response to hurt. In our response to hurt. Now, in the story, there's a servant whom, you know, he has been forgiven, but now he meets someone else, uh, you know, and uh, he looks at his fellow servant who owed him just a few, uh, just a little bit of money, and he, he was so furious that uh, his, this guy could not pay his debt, and he, he grabs him by the neck and chokes him and said, give me my money. He demands his money. How can you, how can you actually meet your debtors in a way that you can... Uh, in, a, in a way that you cannot undermine their dignity, that you can still treat them as human. How can you do that? Only when you realize that you've been forgiven yourself. You've been forgiven. And therefore, before you even meet your debtors, you already make up your mind that I will forgive them. I will forgive them. So here scripture says we have to forgive you know, from the heart. We have to forgive our brothers and sisters from the heart. Now, there's a lot of uh, questions here about justice. Um, if someone, you know, maybe someone abuses you or abuses your child or may maybe steals money from the vulnerable, uh, you know, these actions will require rightful consequences. Uh, but forgiveness in this passage is not a measure of actions or consequences. It's not a measure of actions. It's like you have done this and therefore this is the right consequence that you should receive. This is not what it is. This is about forgiveness, which is about the state of our heart. The state, about, uh, the state of our heart. Uh, I know in our GG we have a lawyer, and probably she understands this concept of, uh, you know, action and consequences, that they are, you know, things that people would do that you take the right consequence for it. But that's not the focus of here. That's not the focus. Because forgiveness is a matter of heart. That's why Jesus Christ points to the heart points to the heart. In forgiveness, you're saying the hurt that was caused, the hurt that I experienced no longer has power over me. No longer has power over me. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to forgive maybe when you know that the consequences of the action will be felt longer. You know, some of you are still experiencing the consequences of the hurt you received when you were young. Some of you are receiving the consequences of the hurt that was caused to you years and years ago. 
years and years ago, and sometimes it becomes hard because those wounds are deep, so, so, so deep. But that we are required by Jesus because we have a new identity in him. We are required that we should forgive even when we know that the consequences will, will actually be felt longer. Will actually be felt longer. Uh, last, uh, last May, uh, we had uh, the privilege of going to Robben Island where Nelson Mandela stayed, uh, you know, in his prison there. And uh, Kate was actually reading Nelson Mandela's book for how many, like the second time, yeah? It's a massive book. Uh, but in there, Nelson Mandela, so, uh, you know, he talks about, you know, the day that he was getting out of prison. So he said, as I walked out of the door toward the gate that will lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I would still be in prison. I would still be in prison. If I didn't leave it behind, I would still be living in prison. Some of you are, might still be in prison today. Maybe because of you know, the bitterness that you hold against your father who was not there for you. Or your mother who we felt was not there for you. Or maybe your teachers or your bosses or a certain relationship, or maybe a cousin, or maybe a fellow believer, or your brother, or maybe your spouse. Maybe your spouse. Jesus Christ today, he says, you know what? Look up to me. I have forgiven you. You are now forgiven. You have a new status. And therefore, because you are forgiven, forgive other people. Uh, so I wanted to kind of lead us in this response this morning. And um, I want you to, you know, think of a, you know, of a hurt that you experienced. Um, and, th and think of a person that caused that hurt to you. And when you do, just think about, you know, the word that comes to mind of that hurt. It could be disappointment or frustration or, you know, they cause you some sort of suffering or maybe abuse. Whatever it is, I want you to think about that. We're going to give you guys stick papers and, and, and pens and we want you to write. So at the back, you will write, um, you know, what that hurt was, uh, you know, and just write a word that will actually represent that hurt. So when you think of a person, maybe they, uh, you know, cheated on you and, uh, you know, what, what comes, what, what's the word that comes to mind of the hurt that was caused there? Maybe it's betrayal. So you write just the word betrayal. And when you're doing this, I want you to look up to Jesus. So on one side, I want you to write that word. And then on the other side, I want you to write a word that represents a new identity in Jesus Christ. A new identity in Jesus Christ. Because forgiveness will not come naturally to us. We need God's help to help us. And when we look at the cross of Jesus, that's where we see how God comes down and he says, even when he was on the cross, he looks up to the people that were killing him and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that brings a new identity, a new meaning to us. So I want you on the other side, uh, to write, you know, hashtag, you know, forgiven or loved or accepted. 
you know, because this is who you are now. This is your, your new identity in Jesus Christ. I think we're going to have some words to just kind of like help stir up your mind. So we would like you guys to take a moment, think about the hurt, and take time to pray. Thanks for listening to the Flood Church Sermon Podcast. Please send us your feedback by commenting below or by emailing floodlilongwe at gmail.com.